0: This is Just Me Okay, episode one, part one, I guess, and we're rolling. Welcome to Just Me Okay, it's our first episode, here we are! Welcome, everyone. This is a podcast where we get to talk about pushing against expectations of everyday life in hopes to inspire everyone to live a life that's authentically theirs. Yes. And I think this is also a project for ourselves so we can live more authentically too. A hundred percent. So we're in this journey with you guys. My name is Katie Persicelli. My co-host, Dana, and I have known each other for, I think it's seven years. I know, it feels like an eternity. An eternity. Spiritually (laughs) and and physically. (laughs) Um, As you can probably tell already, she is the person I go to and, and I ask, hey, things are happening around me. Expectations are being put on me. Is it just me that feels differently than what's being expected of me? And this happens in life and in work. And she is the person that I go to. So instead of just introducing myself, I'm going to have Dana give it a go and uh, see how she does. (laughs) Introducing Katie. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. Incomparable. Yes.
1: First of all, she's a vision. Okay, the world is her runway. Fashion. She's a strong, independent, fiery spirit with unshakable beliefs she could truly like lead us all into a fire and we would come out safe okay that's katie i
0: think we're married now (laughs) (laughs) that was beautiful well thank you for that and i'll just add in that i'm really excited to do this and this project means a lot to me because for the first time i think in my life i'm i'm really figuring out who I am. And a lot of that means pushing up against what people have always told us. That can be a a lonely road uh, sometimes. So we just want to be supportive. It's who we are to make sure we support people on whatever kind of journey they're on. So I'm really excited to do this.
1: Hi, I'm Dana and as Katie already said, she's my person. I'm someone who is very shy and Mm -hmm. introverted in some ways, especially when I meet new people and Mm -hmm. I think Katie has always been the person who's opened me up and she's my person too to go to to ask, this is happening, what, where am I, am I totally wrong, am I not tracking with everyone, am I the only one and she's always been there for me. So on that note, I'm actually
0: going to have her introduce me a little bit. (laughs) Nothing is as iconic as Dana's (laughs) description. I hope I can do you justice. But Dana is my born and bred Austin, Texas partner in crime. We get each other to a T. She is incredibly empathetic and deeply in touch with her feelings. She is very expressive with the people she is close with. She can put herself in other people's shoes really easily, which makes her a great person to talk to. And then on top of that, like her fucking (laughs) brain. I've always been in awe of it for the past seven years. She's able to put... A variety of truths together and is able to come out with a really great insight or a really great story in such a simple way that everyone learns something from her mm-hmm. so she's the only person that i could imagine partnering with because she's just brilliant she just gets it
1: oh thank you oh my god there's so much love in this room right now um <laughs> I think I'm someone who's constantly struggled with what I always call like the shoulds Mm. in my life. And I think that's been the biggest hurdle for me is what should happen or what I should be doing is maybe not correct or not fitting for me. And I think all of our conversations now and hopefully in this podcast um, have really helped me work through that. Mm. And I want other people to feel that way too. And so I'm really excited to... Do this so that we all have some, some other voice uh, to help us through all of that.
0: Yeah. Just before we dive into the episode, I just want to check where our heads are at. Because Dana, you might be in a really terrible mood and you might be like, fuck the world and fuck everything that comes in my way for the next hour. Or maybe I'll be like, I love everything and everything is perfect, which is never really my mindset. So Dana, how are you feeling before we dive into the episode?
1: I am in an interesting place. I think, you know, it's partly we're recording this towards the end of the year and it's a time of, you know, reassessment for a lot of people or the beginning of it. So I am personally today feeling like I'm ready and about to enter my like hermit zone where I just need to go in inward and reflect and have my like introspective reflective moment towards the end of the year and I'm very excited about it that's my vibe check
0: question for you like in just saying you're you're cool with going inwards reassessing things in life does it ever like go to an unhealthy degree when you have that much time to think inward Are are you like nervous about that boundary? Because I always cross the boundary into like the point of no return.
1: Oh yeah, totally. I tend to go home and I'm in my childhood bedroom. I'm in those weird (laughs) dynamics with my parents, right? Where suddenly I'm 12 again and I have no control over it. So especially in that context it can go too far where suddenly you know i'm in my childhood bedroom and i'm feeling all the feels just dramatic right. yeah like writing in my journal you know crying being like oh my god the world melancholy oh, you know so it can definitely go too far but i i actually like look forward to this period and and sort of almost use it as a crutch if I haven't had the time to be introspective and go into myself a little bit because I know I'll have the time at this time of the year and I will be away from, you know, work and Lots of social opportunities and sort of stuck in my house. And it really forces me to like
0: hunker down and be in it. I I mean, like I maybe projected a little bit with that question (laughs) because I do the same thing. And that's what I'm nervous about. Similar vibes in that way. End of the year. You don't realize how many people are in your life until you have to buy presents for all of them. Yep. So I feel busy. I feel a little stressed. I feel a little poor. I feel a little fat. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we're just trying our best. I always, this is a constant for me, but especially during the holidays, feel nostalgic. Mm. And that can bring up good and good and bad things. So I'm like a little cautious about where my brain's going to go. And then uh, a big thing for me is just family dynamics. Mm. That's something I'm building up for. But overall good, overall thankful. So we are going to dive into our episode right after the break. So stay tuned. So we're about to jump into the meat of our first episode. Today we are talking about platitudes. Basically we're doing this because pushing back on platitudes is a great example of what our mission is and and putting it into practice. So what we want to do is talk about those platitudes and talking about why we might disagree with them.
1: And I, we feel like it's sort of relevant. I think we've all heard toxic positivity. There's a lot of that. Going around, and I think there is this reckoning where people are realizing as we see more and more of these phrases and mantras in our feeds on Instagram, or it seems like every new thought leader or influencer has their own branded affirmation now. They're just everywhere, and we're really starting to think about are these helping? Are these hurting? Are they just adding to the pressure of things you have to live up to? Things that are supposed to be inspiring and that you should sort of internalize. And I think for a lot of people, affirmations and mantras are really important. Mm. They're important tools of healing, they're important tools for motivation. But sometimes the things that get passed along can also feel a little toxic. We're gonna play with kind of like, you know, long standing platitudes that yes. I think are the mother or the, the kind of origin, origin. <laughs> yeah the origin of so many of the ones we see today in our feed if they're not right. the ones we directly see and yeah explore how we actually feel about them how we respond to them ourselves and then even try to rethink what would how would we change them what could be better about them what what do we actually need to hear or, or tell ourselves yeah and i think it's also fair to say that these are so commonly used that I've said them before I have defaulted to them in occasions where like I don't know what to say to someone who's talking to me about what they're going through or I feel ill-equipped to answer a question like sometimes I'll default to these too or internalize them because they're what I've known or what I've heard or what someone who I care about or who I trust and respect is telling me and so we all fall victim to them but yeah we're here to kind of share our thoughts on them and hopefully help everybody find their own nuance within these very like standardized platitudes. Mm -hmm. So let's get into it, shall we? Let's do it. Okay, the first one's a big one. This one's really meaty and I think the one that sparked the entirety of this episode for us, which is the platitude, fake it till you make it.
0: I'm already ready to have a meltdown. Uh, Go. Really? No. Let it loose. (laughs) Like, Are you trying to tell me to not be myself in order to make it in this world? Like, that is just a way to take it. Like, I mean, that's literally actually what it's saying. Fake yourself until you make it to where you want to be. So are you saying my trajectory is don't be myself this whole time? And then when I'm at the top, people are going to like me for who I am? Right. Don't get me wrong. I faked who I was for a long time. Mm. I feel like I went by that expression. And that was so draining and it basically is telling you that whatever makes you you is not your superpower it's not your special quality that makes you different from everyone else which will help you get to the top
1: yeah that's so interesting I think we tend to think too like faking it's just a behavior that you do in the moment in reaction to getting that job interview or to finding yourself in a situation where you're insecure but the idea of like it's actually about turning away from yourself or not embracing the emotions that you're feeling so that means I have to sort of not be what my natural state is fake it till you make it begs the question when do I stop faking it <laughs> yes. like is there a point in actually making it that you can start to be authentic it's just it makes you feel like the only pathway is to constantly think I'm faking and I'm faking it so then I'm a fraud I don't, when am I actually real? Like when do you get to be authentic? And it just doesn't have that clear trajectory. And so the biggest problem that I have with this platitude is that it has an evil stepsister. It has a kissing cousin, oh which is God. imposter syndrome, right? Oh. There, it, it is made to breed imposter syndrome. Oh if God. you're faking it till you make it, the only outcome is imposter syndrome. Yeah. If you're remotely conscious, you are going to have imposter syndrome where you say, okay, it's all fun and flowers while I'm faking it till I'm making it until you reach a point where you're like, am I an actual fraud? Because as anything that I've done really resonated with me shown my truth self actually built my skills have I just been faking it up until this point Mm -hmm. and now I'm truly a fraud and I think that's one of the biggest issues that so many people face particularly women and and that is the like fundamental of this horrible thing called imposter syndrome which we all know and are all aware of
0: we've lived it we've lived it We are living it sometimes still. I don't
1: know. I I am constantly feeling like that. And it feels like it renews every time you start to move up in the world, right? It's a renewed sense of I need to fake it till I make it now because I'm getting promoted or because I'm moving into this bigger station in our relationship or I'm you know becoming a 30 year old woman and I'm grown up now and I need to like have my shit together I need to know what I'm doing and what I'm interested in who I am I think like if I could reframe it Mm -hmm. if I could go as far as to like change fake it till you make it to me it implies that you have to be inauthentic you have to deceive your way to success and what if it was more about just giving yourself room to figure things out as you go? Like fake it till you make it is all it's supposed to be empowering. It's supposed to be like, just go for it. You don't have to know everything. And that is empowering to a certain extent, but it also breeds this insecurity. And I think if we just like called it what it is, which is that figure it out, learn as you go. Like you don't have to know everything before you get into it. Then it's like, oh, of
0: course. What I'm thinking is, It is okay, especially as you're figuring out your work style Mm -hmm. or your personal style or whatever, to try and embody different things Mm. and be like, I really like this person's style and whatever he or she is doing, and give it a go. Yeah. Like, how does it feel... To act like this person or to dress like this person and then like see if any of that likes you feel really good that you want to do it again and then be like, I'm going to take that piece with me. That's the only thing I would really take away from it.
1: Yeah, I love that shift from faking to exploring mm. and that dynamic kind of nature to beco- becoming comfortable with who you are and what you're doing and whatever
0: your role is. I think that's that's really, really interesting. Mm. All right. Now that that platitude's in the garbage. (laughs) (laughs) If the last one didn't piss me off the most, this one is up there. All right. The platitude is just be yourself. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I hate this.
1: I hate this so much. My issue with this one is that it just like fundamentally doesn't make any sense. Yourself is always changing. Mm -hmm. yourself is nuanced and dynamic and fluid we contain multitudes we're different people with different people we have different aspects of our personality that we can dial up and down and so what does be yourself mean i don't know it depends on the context Mm. depends on who i'm with it depends on how i'm feeling in the moment it depends on what experience i've had recently and where my trauma is coming from <laughs> and like where you know where i want to go in the future i think there's a lot of other factors and inputs and so when i hear just be yourself it i know that it's meant to be just lead with who you are but i think there's too many dynamic factors to really embrace that in the moment
0: this just makes me feel for kids who have this advice. Probably all of us have been told at one point or another how to be mm. by others. And yes. so we go against our own personal wishes mm. and not being ourselves to get our love or support or security or whatever. And so yes. the fact that someone says that to you after 18, 20 years of being conditioned to be someone else mm. is very Infuriating to me and what happens when you start being yourself you risk losing right. Think about the LGBTQ plus community mm-hmm. what happens safety, this, safety yeah. security love that shit can go out the fucking window so coming to what other people ask you to be is a survival tactic. Oof like you have no idea what is at stake for that other person. Yeah. So that one just really hits home oh. for me. I hate that. I
1: love the way you articulated it. It's it. It is a survival tactic. It is like a way of
0: moving through the
1: world safely, comfortably, mm-hmm a defense mechanism to allow you to not be questioned or appear different mm-hmm. or other. I totally relate to that. And obviously not on a, you know, really harmful or traumatic scale, but I've always considered myself sort of a shapeshifter and like Sam. that's part of my identity and I think all of us shapeshift in some form or another. And so yeah, the idea of just being yourself to me, it's so much more nuanced than that Mm -hmm. that it becomes so diminishing when someone says that to you and I feel like it's said too in times when you're just like people want to wash away your worry or your insecurity it's like you're you're great you're great as you are just be yourself and it's like I might actually feel weird about this interaction I'm about to have or the thing that I'm doing. It's about just, like, leaning into that and understanding what's going to work for you. Like, be yourself doesn't help me in that moment. That's That's not a tool for me. It doesn't get to the
0: truth of (laughs) what the issue is or how to solve something. If we...
1: Where to change it. I would just take yourself out of it. And it's like, just be. Like, just be. Like, if you're going... Because it's often said before you go into a situation where you're stressed out or you're feeling insecure, right? Like, your mom will say it if you're going into a recital or something. Or your boss might say it if you're going into a big meeting. And it's like, actually, just be. Like, you might be feeling weird in that moment. You might Mm -hmm. be feeling nervous. You maybe feel like you need to change your voice tone of voice or you need to change your appearance that's okay go with it whatever makes you feel right and just be in that context in the way that you want to show up cool like that's how it should go. (laughs) Okay our next one I know you feel really strongly about this third one what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Like, actually, I love your size right after we say the platitude because it's like, it is truly heavy. They're so heavy. What's wrong with this one is the root of what, what doesn't kill you make you stronger to me is that it's it equates suffering with success. And that's like a fundamental fucking belief in our culture that is totally flawed. Like, pain is glory, Struggling is success. Like if you're not working hard, are you really working? And I think this one really just robs us of our ability to rest, to relax, to like cultivate lives that are not tied to specific outcomes or to a certain level of toughness or strength. And it's like, you know what? Maybe growth doesn't have to come with struggle yes or maybe things don't have to be hard like what if they were just easy maybe that's okay I think we demonize like complacency with stuff like this when we say things like if it doesn't kill you then you know it's not worth it you won't come out better on the other end and it's like that is so not true I think that's where as a child even as an adult like you get into those spaces where this thing really took something from you and it doesn't make you stronger at the end of the day sticks with you in a really harmful way that you have to unpack in years and years of therapy and lots of self-work
0: girl don't you know it she's in therapy doing the hard work every week to jump off of that we also have to just talk about what is strength what is weakness mm. yes. and how toxic it is either you're strong or you're weak yep or you're sensitive Mm -hmm. or you're hardened both ends of the spectrum feel so icky to me and so finite like you're either one or the other Mm -hmm. and strength actually shouldn't be the end goal it should be this constant like journey it's not one bad thing happens and then you become strong and then that thing moves on yes whatever trauma has happened comes back in fucking waves Mm -hmm. it's unrealistic standard just to be like I'm strong and let's move on it's okay to just be like I might not ever really a hundred percent get over this
1: what you're saying is like strength is a journey right people say this to you when like you've come out of a really hard bad day or you're dealing with something really rough and they're like it's gonna make you stronger and it's like okay great I you're right I survived that I'm now strong and then when it happens again that toxic thought of like How did I go from strong to weak? And what you're saying is what really makes you strong is the journey of cultivating strength throughout your life and figuring out how to do that on your own terms too, which is really, really tough. There's a similar one that I hear all the time that's, I'm interested to hear what you think of this one, of you've survived 100% of your bad days. Do you think that's an alternative to what doesn't kill you make you stronger? Or do you think it's in the same camp? I
0: like that one better. I like it because it's a message of hope and Mm -hmm. optimism. I think there's a bit of inspiration when you're like, oh, you are batting at 100. um, So the Mm -hmm. chances are you're going to make this through again. Like, it's okay to have hope in our lives. (laughs) In the context of my life, you know, I think this one is helpful because it is nice to know another day will come, even if this feels like the worst day of, of your life. I think a little hope is good. Hundred percent. What Love. do you think? Yeah,
1: I like it. I think it helps shift perspective, mm-hmm. which I don't think that "what doesn't kill you makes you stronger" does. I think that just like implies you need to you got over it, so you'll be strong now, mm-hmm. and doesn't allow room for interpretation. Whereas I think if you've survived hundred percent of your bad days, it's like you're right like I have made it through I can do it again there's a possibility in it mm-hmm. so so yeah I, I like it a little bit better I don't know that I would like say it to anyone <laughs> but <laughs> right. like if I see that I in my says to
0: me, I'd be like bitch what <laughs> right how do you feel about good things come to those who wait
1: this one unlocks, like, a lot of maybe my past Catholic guilt. <laughs> oh, like, let's talk Because it's, about like, it. to me, this is, like, rooted in a little bit more of, like, religion. It's about virtue to me. It's not just about, like, good things for patients. But in general, if you're good, good things will come. I think that's, like, the one uh, parent version of this one that I think had a big role in my life growing up and just the idea that you have to be a good person for good things to happen Mm. if you're a bad person only bad things will happen to you it just equates goodness with like goodness and that's just a false correlation I think I grew up with a family that like a lot of like shitty like day-to-day stuff would happen and we'd be like oh, you know, good things should come to good people, but we had, you know, the car broke down and now we're good people, but a bad thing happened to us. Or we knew bad people in our lives and we're like, oh, they always get away with everything. And like bad people, good things happen to bad people too. And it's like playing at that. I think that's how I kind of think about this one in the larger sense. And yeah, I just, I think that like, for me at least, realizing that like good isn't tied to good bad isn't tied to bad and not every good thing will yield a good thing and sometimes Mm -hmm. bad things happen to good people and that's just how it is I had a really big morality complex when I was a kid where I was just like everything I do should speak for itself I'm a good person my work is good so therefore I should get merit because of that and it's just like that's not how the world works
0: sadly Unfortunately, oh, I mean, look who are the billionaires <laughs> right, of our right, exactly. universe. Someone's been fucking lying to us this whole time. Mm-hmm. It really pushes people who hear that into obedience. Obedience equals love. Obedience equals security. And so I think, especially as a woman... As a little girl, being told something like this is incredibly detrimental Mm -hmm. because it, it makes people small yeah I think just wait wait your turn to talk Mm -hmm. wait your turn to ask for a raise wait your turn to be called up to do something you're excited about whatever the fuck it is while like little boys and men are like go ahead go (laughs) for it no waiting for you jump to the front of the line because you're excited and there's already such like a a power dynamic we don't really need to be told we need to wait to to make it like weird because people make it weird okay wait to have sex Mm, wait mm -hmm. until you're married wait 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 until some other higher authority than yourself tells you it's okay what (laughs) bigger authority in your life to have other than yourself a hundred percent and I say this as a person who totally obeyed the rule. And then I was just kind of stuck waiting and feeling small for a Mm -hmm. long time. Oh, there's a lot to unpack there. So many more episodes to come (laughs) Yes,
1: yes, so many. Okay, moving on to the next one. Everything happens for a reason is a huge platitude I think that we hear quite a bit, right? I I feel like it's in a lot of books. I feel like... Oprah is guilty of t- saying mm. this a lot. Love Oprah, no shade to Oprah. But, you know, that everything is happening around you by design. Everything happens for a reason. What do you think
0: about this one? This is one that minimalizes mm. bad things that happen to people. Oof. I know what it's trying to get at. I know that what it's trying to say is mm. there is not going to be another thing that happens after this where you will feel good again. Mm. It's another catch-all and it's not specific enough just get to the truth of what the situation holds what is happening here and like acknowledge that mm-hmm. and maybe a helpful solution or a, a message of hope and this one has like that that little a tiny fragment of hope built into yeah. it i think but it, it, it still minimizes the issue at hand of whatever it is that you're going through yeah Don't worry about someone you lost or don't worry about a breakup. It all happens and is part of a bigger plan. Let's just talk about how shitty things are right now.
1: For me, I've used it as a tool in my life to find meaning in it. So I have multiple times said everything happens for a reason. So what's the reason? And use it as a way to spark and prompt me searching for answers. And so I like it in that respect that I have come back to it multiple times in my life as I've grown up in times of transition or times of struggle where I've said to myself, there's a reason in this. There's something in this that I need to learn And I've used it as a doorway, a pathway to say, I'm going to go find that reason. I'm going to find meaning in this. It has led me to some amazing breakthroughs where I've realized in a moment of failure or a mistake or rejection, the meaning behind it could be that failure is a way of getting more information about what's working for you and what's not. And it becomes an opportunity to do something better or different, or that rejection is just a detour. A derivative I think people use a lot now is trust the process. Mm -hmm. I feel like I see that on people's like Instagram bios Mm -hmm. and stuff. And like I like that is fine. Like it's more specific in that like you are doing it the right way. And I like putting the lens of trust on it. That Mm. like you should trust that things will work out and that you will find an answer. But I still think that it's generally not specific. And getting to the root of the problem is much better.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, let's move on to the next one. Um I think we're both going to agree on this one. Okay. It could be worse. Fuck this. No. Yes. I mean, by no I mean yes.
1: This this is also empty. It's like one of those default things that like if you were having a vulnerable moment and like you would you would expect an acquaintance or someone you don't know to say to you, right? Like cuz they don't know you cuz it's so vague and it's just a default phrase that you can say to someone who you see is like upset. It's like, oh, it can be worse. Like, oh. That doesn't fucking help anything. And I think this actually goes back to something you were saying earlier is that there's a bigger problem with all of these platitudes and particularly the last two is that we're not listening to each other. Mm-hmm. We're actually really bad at listening to each other. And that's why we say shit like this. Yeah. That's why this shit, it was invented so that people don't actually have to fucking listen to each other and listen to their real problems. Like you're having a real, you just had a bad breakup. It could be worse. No, let's talk about the breakup. If for God forbid, if someone says like it could be worse, delete them as a friend or, or uh, give them a chance to respond correctly. And I find myself working on this a lot too because I'll have conversations with people and I will be like, Oh my God, they're telling me something meaningful. They're telling me about a problem they have. I need to solve it for them. And I start going inward instead of listening and going like, how am I going to fix this for them? Like, what can I draw upon to answer their question? And I have to keep reminding myself that like,
0: I'm making it about me, not about them. When someone feels bad, I think they just want to feel seen. And so... It's about meeting them at their level and commiserating or maybe it's helpful to share a story Mm -hmm. of when you were in a similar position just so they know they have the camaraderie with you and that we can talk about it at length versus just totally diminishing everything they just said and being like, look on the bright side. There are so many things in our lives that are hard. And yes, of course, we know it could be worse. We're very fortunate people. These are things that go without saying. Just meet me where I'm at kind totally. of totally yeah. yeah
1: also all of our reference points are completely different so the idea that you can say it could be so much worse and like my reference point for worse could be so different from your reference point for worse we're not all on the same like playing field we all have different experiences different backgrounds relationships and whatever and so like it's it actually just this one is just not real like we've completely <laughs> deleted it like it doesn't it's it's meaning okay this last one I think was a last minute addition, but I think like we both really believe it needs to be torn down completely. Tough it out.
0: Uh, (laughs) I'm so glad this is the last one. I am emotionally exhausted. (laughs) Again, why are we just trying to be tough? Mm. Ugh. There is no toughing it out. We're just getting through it, okay? It really robs you of the opportunity to feel your true feelings as you go through life. Yes. The, the healthiest thing you can do is to really genuinely feel it. Mm. Tough it out is just saying deny yourself of that. Don't be yourself. Don't feel your feelings. Don't admit that you're feeling weak or fragile in this moment. I think it's it's very unhealthy, and we put toughness on a pedestal. Totally. And you'll never really feel good if you're just toughing it out all the time. I love that.
1: Yeah. Tough it out is not real. Like, as all of these are not real, but like, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm also emotionally drained. But I think you, from the truth that is coming out of all of this, you so well summarized it. Just vulnerability is a gift, strength is a journey, and reframing all of that and that you actually have to really listen to people in their truth and understand where they're coming from and hear them and create space for that and not compare it to anything. And that meaning comes from finding it in your own way and discovering it in your own way. So whatever you make it. So it's super fucking interesting, at least to me.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I think we got through, you know, s- very difficult points of conversation but that was great and we are gonna take a little emotional breather and we'll get back to you after the break emotional sigh like release (sighs) Uh, we're just gonna do that for the next (laughs) 90 seconds thank you and goodbye
1: So on every episode, we're going to end the show by doing a little pop-off fun moment. Um, We're calling it, Is It Just Me or Insert Blank? And each of us will have about 60 seconds to pop off about something. And each week we'll do something different and we'll just go and let her rip. So my 60 seconds is starting. Yep. All right, go. Is it just me or our friend groups an unrealistic goal? I have spent my entire life looking for my friend group. You know, the like five other people that are supposed to fulfill me and all be really interesting and all compliment each other perfectly and like be friends forever and go on trips together and be perfect and have fun. And you know what? Where are they? Where are they? Can't find them. Don't know where they are. None of my friend groups that I've like thought, oh my God, this could be my friend group have like lasted. There's always been some drama or some fallout or time passed or we moved away. And what if, what if friends are just about proximity sometimes? Yeah that's the reality what if friends are just you have one really good one and you really fucking love them and you hate everyone else what if that's that's okay or what if you know maybe your partner is your best friend and you're like stuck in your relationship and that's it and you're really into them but they're the only person that gets you it's okay maybe the friend group is fake and fuck the friend group
0: like seriously like
1: good for you know what good for you if you have a friend group I'm here for that like I love that for you thank you
0: Happy times. Good for you. But I don't. There's also just something really toxic about having these high expectations that all of you get along and everyone has to be included all the time. Mm-mm. That shit freaks me out. There's just so much pressure on it. Or And then to your point, like if you're not part of one, like <laughs> are you a failure?
1: i I literally think this to myself all the fucking time. But you know what? I am me. This is who I am. And I have some really deep one-on-one friendships, and they are awesome. And that's it. And that's okay.
0: It's your group of friends. Exactly.
1: Group of friends versus the friend group. Okay.
0: What is her? I nervous. Is it just me or are you
1: ready? Okay. Okay. I okay. pull up my timer.
0: <laughs> Other people are so good at this. I don't know if I have as much conviction as Dana. Okay. All right. Your one minute or sixty seconds <laughs> is starting now. Okay, is it just me or does personal projects like Tumblr need mm. to make a comeback? Yes. Zanga Live Journal. Do all those things need to make a fucking comeback because people are expressing themselves on a platform now where they get validated through people approving of their appearance or providing some type of char- charade um, on Instagram. And basically, just going back to the nerdy girls of Tumblr or Live Journal or whatever, express yourself in a way that feels true to you. You have to try it somewhere. And Instagram is not it. The captions only go so far. Yeah, A picture only goes so far. A filter only goes so far. Work on something that really shows your interest. Have your little thing that that no one reads. That's where you're creative. And yeah. and you start to like practice these things that might... Carve the path of your life. Actually, she brought it full back full circle. To the back to
1: the topic in the last
0: second. Can't forget the red thread. Mm-hmm. You know, got to bring it back Always to the topic. You know, it's an important topic. It's an important topic. Young girls expressing themselves. I will say though, I ended up running a magazine in college, which I was really proud of, and it all kind of started from me on my Tumblr, having thoughts about a variety of cultural things, sports music, fashion, all all these things and I was like you know what I want I do want to share this with the world and here we are again Mm -hmm. sharing thoughts with the world. Yeah I don't know
1: if you're a teen (laughs) or a
0: tween (laughs) shout
1: out uh, to the teens and tweens let us know if you have like what, where is the workspace for your ideas and your self-expression without the need for external validation? Maybe some of you guys can share with
0: us. Please tell us. We're old. We hope you're okay. Yes. <laughs> That's most important. You're okay.
1: <laughs> and for the one yourselves.
0: tween that is listening. I do hope you're okay. <laughs> Shout out to tweens. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard oh, out really? there for a tween. Oh my god. And we're here for you. One hundred percent. Come on the show. Tell us what it's like. Anyway, I think this wraps up our first episode. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> Thank you, whoever's out there. All right, all right. we'll see <laughs> you. We'll see you soon. All right, bye. bye.